Welcome into the Morning Burrito. I am Michael. I am Eric. It is Tuesday at 10 a.m. and we are glad to have you in with us today. The question for the day, how'd you survive the wind? <laughs> well, if you live in, in our area, that's for wow. sure the case. It's still going, actually. My garbage can was like across the street, down the down the yard. It was at my house. <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, it was a lot farther than I wanted to walk to go get it. Yeah. I'll put it that It was way. great. It was a great night. Um, no, but the question of the day is, do you remember in your childhood, Nana, boo-boo? Nah, 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 nah. That, yeah, that. Oh. Do you remember that? Because yeah. if you do, then you're going to be, you're going to resonate with the conversation like it. today. So we'll be right back with the morning burrito. All right. So welcome in to the morning burrito today. Man, I had a fantastic weekend. Um, I don't even know. You should have. Did we talk about this on the no. podcast? No. I don't uh-uh. think so. So I got to spend. Uh, my wife and I, we got to spend a couple days up in the uh, northern, uh, what do they call that? The northern arm, I don't... Panhandle. Panhandle of Idaho, uh, right off of uh, Coeur d'Alene Lake um, in uh, in Post Falls, Idaho, I guess. And uh, got to spend a, a, week, a few days at a, a camp and... Um, with some other adults and got no to kids, have, no kids had some alone time, but also had some formative time to, to just improve our marriage and prepare for ordination in the church of the Nazarene. So that was, it was good. It was good. You survived. I did survive. Good. You made it sound a lot harder than it well, was going to Well, I want to make sure it was a good event for you. <laughs> I, we got there and Claudia, Claudia's like, this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and that was this, the refrain the whole weekend. <laughs> So, see, it was good. Then I did, I did good. You did good. I did good. You made All us right. feel like, man, that wasn't bad. Perfect. See, you're, you're better than you thought you were. Yeah, and uh, and so it was it was a great weekend. Uh, we had a great weekend here at the church. Um, we did. You were gone. <laughs> wow. I set myself you up You opened that. that up. That was all <laughs> I, you. I, I totally set you. myself up for that you one. Did. Now, uh, Liberty Quartet <laughs> was here on Sunday night. Yeah, uh, it did a great job. Got to be here for just a short period of time for that. Yeah. So I uh, got to see yeah, the Yeah, you stuck your it. head in and you left. I did. You did. I was tired. You were emotionally and physically exhausted. Yeah. No, it was good though. It was a good night. Yeah. Um, so this morning we're gonna we're gonna talk about this idea of what do you do. Uh, this is the real question. The you know, do you remember Nana Boo Boo? That's that's not really the real question. The real question is, what do you do when you know somebody is doing something wrong? How do you how do you handle that? How do you you know emotionally handle that? What do you physically do? Do you stop them? Do you tell them hey don't do that or you know you almost said do do you said what do you do that's almost a do do that's that was close you just said it though i, I did <laughs> oops <laughs> sorry I uh, so that's that's the question we're gonna we're gonna try and um unpack today i don't know i mean like oftentimes when we have these conversations i don't know if we're gonna get to an exact answer uh i'm certain that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution here uh, i think it's going to be situational in most of these but uh, i never fit into anything that says one-size-fits-all never i can't think of one thing that i ever fit into uh hats nope you don't fit in a trucker hat one-size-fits-all nope I find that really hard to believe because yeah, I got a ginormous noggin and I can fit into it. Well, and it's usually big on me. <laughs> you set yourself up again. That's great. 
Anyway, okay, so let's start let's start this conversation in the place that I think all of us are thinking back to our childhoods, back to uh, you know, for some of us we had you know siblings that we could you know steal things from and and they could steal things from us and whatever. But uh, as you grew up with uh, as an only child for uh, what I found out today was most of your life. Um, so why why do we as children? want everybody's stuff i think that's the first thing because when when we get mad that somebody's taking it taking it from us it's because we think we i was an only child because we own it right okay and we, we've spent the last few weeks talking about that here at Hermnaz, both in student ministry yep. and in in our big church services uh quote unquote um but what it, what do children do when their sibling steals something from them? Again, I was the only child. Yes, but you watched it with your mom's daycare. I did. So I had lots of brothers and sisters, way more than most people. Um, but my, my brothers and sisters all went home at 5 o'clock. It was awesome. <laughs> um, I could be irritated all day long and then peace. Right? It came back. So um, I forgot the question. <laughs> so <laughs> I need more coffee. <laughs> so when when someone takes something. Yeah, yeah. What do we an immediately do as children? Tattle. Why? Because we want our stuff. Because right? that's true. So that's our, our is that would you say it's fair to say that even from our earliest days as a child, our first inclination is to tell on somebody else to, you know, the, the phrase is tattletale, right? But to to immediately ask somebody else to help us with something that we see is going on that's wrong or that we view as wrong. Hmm. Do you think that's an instinct that we as humans have from a very early age? Well, I don't know if it's that or if it's just knock their noggin off. I think that's true. I'm I not mean, sure which one would come first. I think it depends on the kid. Probably. Because I've seen both both things. I mean, I, I certainly was the one that I would just go and... <laughs> I'm not saying this is right, okay? I would go, <laughs> like, if it was my brother... Or, well, actually, if it was my brother or my sister, even though my sister was older, I would knock their heads off to get whatever they took You'd from You'd hit a back. girl. My sister. Oh, that's that doesn't qualifier. Okay. That doesn't count. Oh, ouch. Okay, it doesn't count. When it's your sister, it doesn't count. Oh, it doesn't. My family, man. My boys hit my my daughter. Mm. Yeah, but she gives it back to them. Well, she does. She does. Their hide would be on the wall. But, and I watch with you know some of our teens that have siblings, girl, boy. The girls usually give it back to the boys pretty pretty significantly. Yeah. So the girls are tough, especially Mika. Like Mika with her two. Uh, don't use names. No, nobody knows her last name. Okay. Well, how many? Really. She does have kind of a unique name, that's true. <laughs> Seriously. It's, uh, it's not like the name Kelly. <laughs> Kelly can be spelled like 7,000 ways. It too. could be a guy or a girl. That's true. Of course, I guess maybe Mika could too. Well, and we have we have Kellys in this church with the exact same spelling, both male and female. Right. And they're odd spellings. That is true. Anyway, so, so you said, if I'm understanding correctly, that it's not just that we have an instinct to tell on somebody or to you know make sure they get caught so to speak it's also retaliation our our, our instinct is to retaliate well, when we see something wrong okay so like like you want to go and go like it's my stuff and then you get them in trouble and go <laughs> now let's let's turn this question on its head we're talking we've been talking for these last few minutes specifically about what happens when somebody takes our stuff or does something to us right yep. what if as a kid, 
you see one kid do something to another kid, what's the reaction? And you know what they're doing is wrong. Well, again, I think it depends on on the situation, right? Um, or the age, because <laughs> there would be times where I would I would sit back and eat popcorn and watch. <laughs> um, there'd be times I would even set up that scenario between people, right? Wow. I, I mean, I, I was that guy. So were you. No, I never set that situation. Come on. I was usually the one that got set up in that oh, situation. Okay, I would be the one setting you up in that situation. Um, but then, you know, as you get older, you kind of sit back and you go, hmm, how do I end that? I don't, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. But then there are those days you just jump in and, and go for the underdog, right? Defend the underdog all the time. Well, and there's also the, you know, if you, you have the, again, the tattletales, right? I would yep. imagine you still have tattletales. So they see what's about to happen or what is taking place and they run to the teacher or they run to the, you know, the parents or whatever the case is and tell them what's going on. Um, do you think that, that, uh, reaction by a, co- a kid is determined by who is doing it i I think the reaction by the kid comes from the parent i think they don't want a lot of behavior from the parent okay and how parents interact right in the home how does mom uh treat dad how does dad treat mom and you know if there's not a if there's not a two-parent family um what's the phone conversation like between parent and whoever's on the other other end right mm-hmm. so i think we i think we learn our whining and our aggression a lot with our kids from what they see either from parents or from like bully siblings you know kind of thing so um so let, let's fast forward into in age to now we're adults and i think it's very interesting we don't some somewhat of that reaction that we've been talking about we don't lose as we age but I do think that situational awareness dictates that oftentimes we don't do anything, that yeah. we just stand back. And I'll, I'll use as an example of this. Um, not very long ago, I mean, within weeks, uh, there was a, a girl who was attacked, sexually assaulted, on a train in Philadelphia, and everybody watched. Nobody called right. the police. Nobody stopped the attack. And this poor girl got sexually assaulted right. on a train in front of a full right. train load of people. Well, let's, let's bring it a little closer to home, right here in our own town, right down on one of our main streets. Same exact thing happened. And, you know, the, the girl got away because she ran out in the middle of the road and stopped traffic. And even the guy that she rent to her, she ran to his car was kind of like, do I help you? I mean, or do I do I just drive off? Um so I mean, we, he, he did help her, but he did help her. So, so have we been conditioned to be afraid of of actually helping in these sorts of situations? Man, I would think so. Why? Um, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, look at the influences that we have uh, around us. Our culture is all about self, and and I think I think that is very loudly spoken in any form of media anymore. Um, take care of yourself. You know, it comes across as like, hey, take care of you know, this platform, you know, um, take care of, of your, uh, of what your group, you know, stands for, take care of them. But yet that only goes so far. Um, even in those, those groups, those political or social groups, they only will help each other so far. It still comes down to, okay, you're, it's all, I got to take care of myself. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so, so I think we help ourselves, we help each other, but uh, we don't want to get involved. We don't want to deal with the junk 
you know, that comes with it. Um, cause we're not really sure what, what's going to come of it and we don't want to pay for anything. <laughs> well, you know, we want everybody to cover our stuff. I mean, so I mean, we go on and on and on about well, that, in, but you know, in, in, in our culture specifically in the last, I would probably say 20 to 30 years, certainly since I was born, um, you know, it used to be if you saw something happening to somebody or so- something had happened to somebody, let's say not a, not a, a an intentional thing, but let's say somebody gets hit by a, a car right in front of you, this, an accident right they just happen to get hit by a car walking in the street or whatever and you go to help them um it used to be a no-brainer right you go right you go do whatever you can to help save that person's life whatever now you can get sued if you do it the wrong way yeah or i mean that, that is true i mean hey you go you <laughs> and so it factors into our true. calculation right you get sued because hey you shouldn't have moved me you shouldn't have touched me you know you should have called somebody faster or the scenario of it's a total setup, and then all of a sudden you're the one that's robbed. Well, we've seen that a lot with, you know, particularly like there's a uh, tire off of a car, and they're trying to change a tire, you think. You pull right. over, and then all of a sudden you get carjacked or something. I mean, right. that certainly has happened in our country. Right. So are we conditioned? Yeah, all that plays into keeping your head on a swivel anymore, going like, hey, that looks like a flat tire as you're driving by them at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, they look like they're 95. They'll be okay. <laughs> but then you hear these stories of hear heroic things that happen like, you know, on an L train or something, somebody falls down onto the tracks and somebody jumps down there to grab them and save them and, you know, get them out of it's okay. I I did You've okay. never done that. <laughs> don't 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 I mean, I know you're you're having your coffee, but you you you've never done that. I'm starting to wake up. <laughs> um so Let's talk about the the feeling side of this uh, a little deeper. Um, we've kind of given the broad picture, right? The the broad strokes of this situation. But what do you think is going on in the hearts of people when they uh, see something going wrong in front of them? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? I think I think we need to clarify. Maybe I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't. That's that's a hard. That's, that's probably a hard question. Um, to answer, because I so think, let me put it, what is going through your mind if you see something going wrong in front of you? Well, I think you've got the Christian perspective and the non-Christian perspective. Okay, right. So, and I think the answer is different. Okay, to some degree, but I think a lot of it's the same, and that's what the sad part is. Um, so start with the Christian perspective. The Christian first. perspective is you want to have compassion on the person, and you want to jump in and help, um, but you still have which is the right thing, and you're and you're inclined to do that at whatever cost but at the same time we have all those cautions we just talked about and all the reasons why because we've been conditioned right culture mm-hmm. has conditioned our, our our minds our hearts in the right place but as a as a non-christian um you're probably gonna sit back and just watch for a while and, and take and take sight of what's going on and, and kind of measure things out and and um and then you get really irritated and vocal about it. I think that's what I see the most of. People get vocal about the treatment of somebody else, but they don't do anything to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just get on any social media. You'll see people coming to defense of somebody else, but it's always in the way of ripping somebody else apart instead of offering a solution to how do you help the situation. Um, I was part of one of those conversations yesterday uh, on one of our social media pages, and it's like one person was totally right, one person's totally wrong. But the whole thread was so negative against the person that was right because they were taking a stand for what 
scripturally they believed in was 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 true. So, um, so I put a little little thing out there, and man, did I get I get hammered. Well, but I'm okay with that, right? I was trying to just help encourage a person that was that that got themselves in trouble. They should have never <laughs> said what they said, even though they were right. They it was something you keep within a private circle, not a public circle. And and I think we want to go public so often because we want the limelight, right? As a non Christian side, as a Christian side, I think we want the limelight, but different. We want to we want to be that person that jumps down on between the the railings, you know, and uh, and pull somebody up before they get hit by a train or get electrocuted. We, we want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, and that's not to say that non-believers don't do that. As, as yeah, well. yeah, right, right, right. Um, so I think you sit back anymore and you, and you spend a lot of time evaluating in either, on either side of that. I think we spend a lot of time evaluating and then the moment's gone and you weren't part of the problem or the solution, which means you're absolutely good for nothing. Hmm. Except to have a podcast like this and talk about it. <laughs> so I've always been... Uh, at least in my adult life, probably even in my younger years too, my mom and dad would probably stipulate this. But uh, I have always been kind of a voyeur of of things that are happening around me, particularly when it comes to police and fire. Um, it even in fact happened yesterday with us during our meeting. We were sitting at a local restaurant having a meeting, and the fire engine and ambulance oh. and battalion chief go flying by, and our meeting was almost over. And so when we got in the in the vehicle, I say, "Hey, let's go, let's go see, let's go see what's going on, because it might be fire, and right. that'd be interesting. Let's right. go see." And we we didn't go very far, but we did try to see if we could find out what was going on. And we we didn't see it, did we? We did not see it. Did you follow up? No, I did. Did you? Because I want to know what it was. What was it? It was an airplane that was forced to crack uh, to land in a in a wheat field, or in a field because of the high winds. Interesting. Yeah. You thought everybody. The, okay? You thought the story stopped when we were together. Everybody okay? I wanted to know. Everybody okay? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just I know the plane. It didn't crash. It landed. So I would assume they're okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, and I've always been that way. Like. If I know I don't have anywhere to be like right this very second and I see a fire engine going and I know it's you chase it's in her. town, I'll go chase it. I'll find out what's going on. Like You're like that Dalmatian puppy just running after the truck. Seriously. Um I think part of all of this is that, you know, the reason we watch NASCAR, the reason we watch hockey, the reason we watch football is we like to see the fight. The yeah, I mean we like to see uh destruction happen, right? Demo derbies. I mean mm-hmm. The reason that we all love a demo derby is because cars are hitting each other in an unnatural way. So good. Right? Um, you know, monster truck rally. We want to see that monster truck smash roofs of cars. In I would drive stuff. hours for a demolition derby. It's fun. Yeah. It is awesome. Um, and I think there is some of that in, in this as well, that we get caught up. You know, again, we go to this situation that happened in Philadelphia, tragic situation. Mm-hmm. They get caught. We, we oftentimes as human beings can get caught up in what we're watching, that it's so ridiculous, so outside of our normal. I mean, I, I would imagine that everybody who is on that train has never seen a sexual assault before. Um, and there's a, a just this thing inside of us as human beings that gets naturally like, whoa, what am I watching right now? But I wonder, I wonder what, what we, you know, getting more to the practical all of those things being true, what do we do with that? How do we how do we handle that? Because that may be our nature, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's the right thing to be doing. You know, I, I would definitely say that those folks in Philadelphia should be ashamed of themselves. Like you, you 
how do you, how do you let that happen? Especially the men that were on that. Like one of our jobs is men. One of our roles that God has given us is to protect women, to cherish women. How do you let that happen? Yeah. No answer. And in all of our lives, take this to yourself. Cause I mean, I hope you've never had to see something like that, but there may be something that you've witnessed as an adult that you're like, man, I need to do something. And we've chosen not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there have been times in my life as an adult where I've seen something happen that I knew was wrong and I didn't step in and do anything about it because I was maybe afraid of retribution, mm-hmm. maybe afraid that I was going to get blamed for something that I didn't do. Um, or, you know, the myriad of other reasons that we've talked about. So well, what do you well, do with that? Well, well, I think one of the other reasons that we don't jump in and, and help or take a stand when we see something like that is because we no longer know if that is right or wrong. Like, am I, what I'm seeing, is it, is it really wrong or is it one of those gray areas? And, you know, we kind of shy away from gray areas. And, I mean, so I, I just probably this whole last month, there's been a few of those situations where I sit back and go, hmm. Somebody should have done something about that. Um, but then you find out, well, they didn't really know if it was right or wrong. So, But by the time you figure it out, it's done over and, and you know somebody's damaged in that. Well, right? and so, sometimes there's things that you know are wrong, mm-hmm. but maybe from a law perspective or from a cultural perspective, they're not considered wrong. Right. So how do you, how do you step into that, especially as a Christian? Because there are things that are okay in culture that we see happen in culture. I mean, for, for example, this would be a great example of one. Um, Netflix put out a, in, you know, we're not culture warriors here really in any way, shape or form. That's not what this podcast is about. But Netflix put out this TV show called Cuties not so long ago. It's been right. canceled since. But um, <laughs> this show is about little kids doing drag, like little kids. Right. Um, or uh, not drag. Right? Let me rephrase. Um little kids you know shaking their butts dressing in scantily clad clothing little girls and men and old older women going and watching these shows of these girls dancing in provocative ways that are you know eight nine ten years old my kid's age my oldest child's age we know that's wrong as christians we look at that way like that's not right but the culture says eh, no big deal well the culture said in defense of that the the creator of the movie from a different part of the globe yeah i think it was from france was the well, origination this is a a realistic view of the life and the culture that they came out of and felt like they needed to tell their story that's how culture defended this has all got to be seen by everybody so everybody knows i mean that i mean that's the other part of the story right so now what do you do Right, they're saying it's a documentary, not a. Right, they're not. They're not glorifying it's not an entertainment. Yeah, they're not trying to glorify it. They're. I don't whatever. know. Whatever. It's 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 tough. I mean, that's. Is that a gray area? Maybe. No, absolutely not a gray area. I mean, in the church, I think we get that. Well, maybe it is a gray area. I don't know. No, it's not. Yeah, right, it, and I would say, I look at that and I'm disgusted. I don't care if it's if it's a documentary. I don't want. Anybody thinking that that's all right. Right. But it came also at the same time of California passing the pedophilia laws. Um, at the, I mean, those were in, at the same sure. same time. So one defended the other, right? And it, no. Okay, now those are just examples, right? I mean, that's that's like way, I mean, we just you, just, you took us down a real trail right there. 
That's but a whole different but, podcast. But it, but it is true that culture, is, yeah. culture defines sometimes sure. what we think is right and wrong. And yep. for us as the church, and this is this is an admin, uh, um, uh, this is something that as pastors has become much more difficult as time has gone on. And and I think pastors, largely, especially in the West, are doing a very poor job of telling our people what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is not truth. And why do we struggle with that? I think some of it has to do with we want to be culturally relevant. We want to fit in to the culture. We're not supposed to fit into the culture. Christians are not supposed to fit in. We are supposed to be in the culture for sure, but not of the culture. And I think those are two that is a significant distinction. And pastors have fallen into that trap of we need to be of the culture. So are 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 we as as Christians are we called to be relevant? Uh, and I don't think so. I think in uh, many ways we're supposed to be counter relevant. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, counter culture is probably a better word, but yeah, mm-hmm. I I think I think there is something to say. You know, like as a as a youth pastor, particularly, I want to have some relevancy to my students. Right? I want to understand w- what's going on in culture around them so that I can speak to that. Right? I need to know as a youth pastor, what students are experiencing in their life, you know, whether it's cutting or whether it's, you know, songs by Cardi B or whatever, what have you. I need to know that stuff so that I can speak to those things. But do I need to be involved in those things? Do I need to be listening to those things personally in my in my Spotify playlist? No, and I'm not going to. But I need to know they exist. I need to know what they're saying. I need to know what they're telling students. So so here's where I think we get mixed up on, on, on how a Christian is supposed to be relevant in culture. Um, I mean, that's very well, that's very well said because there's a lot of, a lot of church leaders that will be part of the world so they can stay relevant with the world. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not called to be relevant. There's nowhere you will not find in scripture anywhere that says that, that when you're called in, in Christ is in your life, that you're called as a Christian to be relevant with the culture. Paul talks about, um, when in Rome, you know, be like Rome in, you know, uh, you know, I'd, how's he do say as that? Romans do or something. Yeah. I think that's the phrase. Yeah. But w- when you look at that, that's not meaning, it's not meaning how we take that literally. Um, it's uh, know the culture and your relevant part of it is Christ doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, forever. Right. That scripture says. Right. And, and part of our problem with this topic is we forget that the relevancy of Christ is the same today as it was 2000 years ago. Um, and we try to fit today's laws, laws and culture and viewpoints and biases into Jesus. So we can stay relevant when reality is Jesus needs to be put in first to make everything else relevant to Jesus. It's like the progressive Christianity, you know, progressive Christians, they take their view of Jesus and put him in the driver's seat. Well, they take what is happening culturally today, the cultural norms, the cultural... uh, Mm -hmm. uh, This is not okay today, so therefore it's not okay back then. Or, or, you know, language. I mean, this happens with language. This happens with um, how we we dress. That's how uh, how, how we live through our day. I mean... 
you hear all the time, oh, well, you know, Jesus' time, everybody, everybody was, there was a patriarchy, right? Men dominated the society. Well, yeah, no kidding. Women right. weren't educated back then. So, right. So all that to say, we, we have progressive Christians and progressive, uh, this is not a li- uh, liberal right-left thing. This is just uh, progressive thought, I guess. Right. We're going to take what we think is what the standard should be today, and we're going to put it on everybody and everything. And that includes all of Jesus's words, all of the apostles' words um, in their epistles that are written. Um, We're just going to pigeonhole all of that into our culture. That's not how that works. Right. You got to put Jesus in the driver's seat. I mean, that's that's where that's where we have to start. So being relevant, you know, we're I guess we're trying to get to the point today uh, of trying to wrestle with the with the question of when you see something that's wrong well or whether you're christian non-christian where do you fit in doing what is right and you first have to know what's right and what's wrong and that comes through the 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 bible it comes through the word of god and, and what what is god's viewpoint on what's right and what's wrong with that situation and then if we don't act on that then what does that make us does that make us right or wrong um, there is no gray area, and we want to live in the gray area with right and wrong, and we just can't do that. Yeah, um, I mean, we get we get so up in arms about little, little what I would determine are little issues that are happening in our country, things that are very are very not necessarily not important, but they're not urgent things. And then I look and I see we have thousands of kids, four thousand. I think the number is four thousand kids a day dying because of water related disease in our world today. And it's really not that expensive in terms of our GDP in this country and things to actually fix that. But yet you don't hear that talked about really outside of the church. You don't hear that talked about a ton. Right. You don't hear that in the news every day of how many kids are dying because they don't have fresh water for drinking and for sanitation. That's that's a serious thing. Or, you know, we talk about how hungry people are in the United States. It doesn't even compare to the people that are hungry in third world nations all across this country or all, all across our world. If you see something wrong and you know instinctively there's something wrong, do something about it. You right. may not be able to solve it, but you can be a part of the solution. So so I think I think one thing is when you see something that's wrong, you do something about it. You may not fix the situation, but you did your part and you can sleep at night and you can know um, that you did the right thing. Um, the right thing sometimes is going to get you in trouble. Yeah. The right thing is going to be, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be dirty. It's going to hurt. Um, it's going to make you look bad. Um, you know, you may come out smelling like the dump, you know, after you did the right thing, but you did the right thing. And that, that counts for something. And our culture says that doing the right thing, if you come out looking and smelling like that, you, it, that that's not right. No, it still is right. Um, don't be a bystander. Don't don't do that. So so if you're watching today and and you're in your family network and and you're in one of these situations where you're you're watching something happen, and you know it's wrong, and you don't really know what to do about it, you you need to spend time thinking about what what can you do about it, um, and then act on it. Um, so personally, in my own life, uh, this last little bit, um, you know, I've I've been watching something that has been um, wrong, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. It's not my place to say something. It's not my place to call authorities. It's not my place to, you know. I mean, it. But yet, what what do I do? 
uh, with that because it's not it's not up it's not up to me. Um, but you know something wrong is taking. But place. I know something wrong is taking place, and you know what? I'm I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm losing sleep over it. I'm 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 on edge over it, and and it's not just you. It's you know other people around you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's those of us that are watching this are all feeling the same way. And 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 what do we what do we do with that? Um, now we have um, a mixed bag of people watching this, both Christian and non Christian, and we all have the same. It's interesting. We all have the same reaction right now. Right. We're watching. We're irritated. We're frustrated. We're, you know, I mean, we're, we're that whole bag, but we're in it together. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've i done some things that are right um, as far as I can go with it being right. And I feel good with, okay, I did what I did what I could do. I did what was right. I voiced it. Um, I brought light to it. Um but ultimately, this situation isn't one that I can just go in and just fix, right? But and you so, weren't a bystander in it no, either. No, but sometimes I feel like we get in those situations that we don't think we can fix, so we don't do anything, right? Right? And uh, and we don't look at it as, hey, I was a bystander or not. We just, well, I can't fix it, so I'm going to move on. And sometimes we need to stop and not move on. We need to wrestle with it. Um, so you want something in your marriage, you want something in your home, you want something with your kids— um, you want your kids to do something, you know, in, in your life. Maybe it's a relationship at work, um, and you know something is being done that is wrong. Man, step in and influence it for the good. And that's where I want to. I guess I don't know what we're doing with time, but um, but Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah fifteen. There's this verse that just jumps out, and it says, "You must influence them," which is the people in Jeremiah's day. There's a lot of bad things that were going on, mm-hmm. and a lot of good people not doing anything. Mm-hmm. They they were they were watching it, but they weren't acting on it. And, and and God comes to Jeremiah, who is a prophet in the Old Testament, and says, "Jeremiah, go to the people and tell them that it's their job as Christians to influence them, influence the world. Don't let the world and culture influence them, the Christian." Um, and we're backwards in our culture, and especially, I mean, let's just say it: we're backwards in the church culture too. Um, uh, and becoming more backwards in the church culture. Can you become more backwards? I mean, if you're already backwards, can you be more backwards? I don't know. I just made that up. You just keep moving backwards. Okay, you farther, keep moving further backwards. moving farther and farther away from the Bible and biblical norms. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's more backwards. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick with that all day now. Try to figure that out. Um, so I want to just encourage you today, be the influencer. Um, however little influence you may have in the situation, be the influencer. And... And if it's with your kids um, or with your spouse, um, man, humbly go at it, but still go at it. You know, influence it. Don't don't just sit back and let something wrong continue to be wrong. So yeah, I, it's it's we're not we're not claiming this is easy to to live this way, but but again, I I say don't be sitting on the sidelines. Don't be a bystander. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to actively be involved in the situation. You know, the the situation you're referring to, you're that's a huge thing for you and, and the, the people around you that are not necessarily believers to have agreement and for them to see like what they care about, you care about. That when right. you they see something wrong, you also see that as wrong. Um, I think that's important when we we as Christians do that. Again, that doesn't mean you know we need to go out and protest something all the time, or we need to be you know politically engaged about every single topic that is out there in culture. I don't think we do, 
there are probably are things that we do need to be <laughs> engaged in, but, um, but we do need to remember we are, you said this before, we are not to be relevant for the sake of relevancy. Like that's, yep. that is not, that is not what we're called to do. Now, again, knowing what's going on in culture is different than being relevant. Yep. Being able to speak to culture doesn't mean that you're doing it to be relevant. So keep that in mind. Don't forget that. Um, because that's not just for pastors, for us, right. like us as pastors to remember. That's for all believers to remember. And particularly parents, when you think about your kids, you're not their friend. And you don't let them do something that you know is wrong, like drink alcohol or smoke weed or any of these things that both of us have seen parents say, oh, well, you know, they're doing it in my house, so it's no big deal. At least I'm protecting them. You're not there to be relevant to your kids. You're not there to allow your kids to be relevant to their culture. You're there to teach them the right thing. And if you know they're doing something wrong, stop them from doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And, you know, your spouse, you fit that same scenario with your spouse. Um, Sure. You know it's your spouse you should be able to talk there might be repercussions from it but still i mean you're a spouse for a reason um it might be your employer you might see something at work that's just not right influence it um yeah you have influence as a christian you have influence um so stop walking around thinking you don't have any influence and you're good for nothing you can't make any anything change you can change you can change a situation um I mean, you don't think you can read Hebrews chapter 11. Um, it's full of people in that chapter that thought they could do nothing that influenced finally and changed the world. So there you have it. I'm done. Next week, we are going to talk. I, I, we haven't even talked about this, but I'm, I'm just calling it today. Next week, we're going to talk about thankfulness and gratefulness, because whether you're a believer or not, being thank, living a life of gratitude and thankfulness is huge. It helps you to be likable. <laughs> it helps you to be somebody that people want to be around. Uh, the naysayers and complainers are never the people you want to be around. So living a life of gratitude is a huge thing for everybody. Why will we talk about that next week? Because, um, you know, that's the last week we're going to we will be off for the week of Thanksgiving. Um, oh, so, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving okay. for the next Tuesday. You were just so, that's what we're talking about. And, yeah. and we don't ever, ever figure out what yeah, we're talking so, about until like the morning of usually. So, so we'll be back next week, but then we will be off for a week and come back for uh, the week after Thanksgiving. So um, so I think it'd be a good, a good topic for us to yeah. talk about gratitude and thankfulness. So. Perfect. So we'll see you guys next week All on right. the Morning Burrito Podcast.